Hmm. Oh, hey, what's up? Oh, hi. Uh, don't normally uh, see you here. Uh, I don't normally see you here. <laughs> That's weird. Uh, I'm here because I uh, found this puzzle piece. Huh. That's weird. Yeah. You want to know something even weirder? What's that? I found one too. Oh. Yeah. Weird. That is really weird. Interesting. I was just walking around here. I was right down there and I found it on the floor and I picked it up. You know where you found yours? Yeah, well, um, not here. Uh, I was in my closet and uh, found it in my shoe. In your shoe? Yeah, well, I thought it was the dog's toy or maybe a, a stick or a leaf. He's always leaving those in there, but. Oh, really? No. Puzzle piece. Huh. Yeah. That's so weird. Maybe there's a puzzle piece bandit around here or something. Yeah, like maybe some kid running around town because he's so upset that he couldn't find the last puzzle piece, so he's scattering puzzle pieces all throughout the town. Or maybe there's aliens. They're trying to get us all together so we can put these puzzle pieces together, and once we're all grouped up, boom, they're going to beam us up in their spaceship, and they're going to do experiments on us. No, nah, probably not. Yeah, no, probably no, not. No, I don't think so. That's... That was a little too weird. That's so weird. Yeah. So uh, what do you think we're supposed to do with these? I don't know. Mine has writing on the back. Does yours? Oh. <laughs> yeah, it does. W what's yours say? Mine says make. Huh. Make. Make. What does yours say? Uh, mine says, oh, connections. Make. Connections. Make connections. Wait. You don't think. Uh, make connections. Oh. oh. Totally. That's crazy. What did I think of that? That's kind of weird. Wow. Uh, what does it mean? I don't know. What does it mean? Well, maybe it's like in the Bible. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. It says... Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort provided by law, any fellowship in the Spirit, any affection by mercy, complete my joy and be of the same mind by having the same love, being united in Spirit, and having one purpose. So you're telling me if we come together in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we unite in God's love and purpose, and therefore it pleases Him and gives Him joy? Exactly. Wow. Yeah, how cool is that? That is really cool. Um, I mean, it's a little weird that we found puzzle pieces and all, but... Yeah, uh, it's even weirder how it got in your shoe. Yeah, well, that's time for another story. Hey, you want to so. go to coffee hour? Yeah, let's go to coffee hour. So I want to share a text with you this morning. It's from, it's from Hebrews chapter 10. And it says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have the confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of our faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day of the Lord drawing near. So this letter was written to the Hebrews to encourage them in their midst of struggles and challenges to remain faithful to connecting with each other, that by doing so they could keep their minds focused on Christ who is the author and perfecter of their faith. Now, the last several weeks, we've been discussing what our strategic plan is as we look ahead as far as what God has set for us years, in, years from now. And our mission, our, our critical mission, is awakening hearts in every generation to the power of life in Christ. And the way that we know if we are successful in that mission is if we live transformed lives of joy, of freedom, of sacrifice, and renewal. But the way to do that is through worship spiritual formation groups, and community connections. Today we're really touching on that, that, that spiritual formation group concept. That being the church is not just about being here on Sunday mornings and patting ourselves on the back that we went to church because change doesn't happen there. This text tells us that we are supposed to connect with each other in very real and tangible ways, to draw near to each other. The time that we spend eating together, or the community that goes after generations and spends time on the playground after church. Those relationships that are forged. That's what this text is talking about. Those very special relationships where we, where we learn, where we grow, and where we serve. These are spiritual formation groups. And I have to, I have to ask this question. Do you ever feel like you're alone? Do you ever feel like... like Maybe a lot of your relationships are just superficial and, and nobody knows the real you. you know, it's, it's ultimately, it's, it's because of, of sin in the world, sin in our, ourselves, sin in those around us, because sin breaks apart community. Sin breaks apart relationships. See, when we lie, when we hurt other people, we sin and we want to hide that sin. It happened all the way back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve when they first sinned. They wanted to hide from God. See, sin makes us want to hide from God. And the wage of sin, the first wage of sin, is total isolation from God. But Jesus and the Father had this plan to, to bring us back into a relationship with him. He wanted us to draw near to him, but before we could draw near to him, he drew near to us. With Jesus, he, he was born on this earth to live, to suffer, and to die. And in that process of his death, he knew what it's like to be alone, right? Because his, his best friends, they abandoned him. His people, they rejected him. The Heavenly Father forsook him on the cross. Jesus experienced total and complete isolation so that you would never have to. He took that in your place to forgive your sins, to rescue you and bring you back and draw you near to God. Now, in the Old Testament, there was this way that people could, to, could draw near to God, but it wasn't like the whole people could. It was just one person on behalf of all the people. Because back when there was a tabernacle and a temple, there was the holiest of holies. This was the place where the fullness of God's presence dwelt. And if you were to draw near to God... There was just that one person on one day of the entire year that that could happen. 
That one person was the chief priest, and before he would go into this holiest of holies, he would have to cleanse himself, and he would carry in this sacrifice, and he'd go through this curtain that blocked off the the holy place from the holiest of holy places. And there on that day of atonement, he would make a sacrifice for the sins of all the people. But people like you and I, we couldn't go in there. We couldn't draw near to God. And so Jesus came to change all of that. That with Jesus, as the curtain was torn in two when Jesus was crucified, that was the opportunity for us to usher in and walk into the full presence of God. That we can be in the presence of God with Jesus and only with Jesus. But as he carries us in, we can draw near to God. And do so in confidence, knowing that Jesus has washed all of our sin away. Like the chief priest would have to ceremonially clean himself before going into the holiest of holies. We have been sprinkled and washed clean in our baptisms. As we come to the Lord's table, as we, as we read and study his word, as we connect with other people in faith, discussing and growing together. We draw near. We can draw near to God in this way. And we also draw near to one another, right? The relationships that we have that are focused on Jesus are very special relationships, right? A cord of three strands is not as easily broken. When the church is talked about in the New Testament, the New Testament uses metaphors like a body made of many parts or a chosen race, a holy nation, a family, right? And we're not supposed to give up meeting together. This meeting together word is a Greek word for congregate, which is why we call ourselves a congregation. And a congregation is not just simply a bunch of individuals or individual families who come and listen to a speaker and sing some amazing songs and receive God's word and God's grace and then go off on their own special way. A congregation is interconnected. Congregation eats together, prays together, lives together, loves together. There's this togetherness that happens. And as we come together, we're supposed to hold fast to the truth of Scripture. We are hold fast that our our faith is built on, on Jesus' rugged cross and his empty tomb. To hold fast to these teachings. So as we gather together in in these spiritual formation groups, we don't just draw near to one another, but we do so to learn, to grow, and to serve. And this learning process happens as we study his word, as we ask questions, as we apply it to our everyday lives. To hold fast, you continue to learn about it. So we learn, but we also grow. There's this growth in transparent and transformative relationships. The gospel, or excuse me, the, the Hebrews text uses this word, encouraging one another. But this world needs more encouraging. Moms and dads, never stop encouraging your young person. Give them encouraging words that are uplifting. Find them doing something right and praise them like crazy for it. Be encouraging because this world is so discouraging, right? This world just tears us down. So be the ones in your family who take responsibility of lifting everyone up. But this also means that we let our guard down when we're around other people in a safe, nurturing environment. To really grow when we connect with other people who are of faith, to be vulnerable with them. To have a group of people or a circle of friends that you can just be you and be loved and accepted as is. 
to know that you are loved, to know that you are safe, safe to share whatever it is that you're hurting from and receive help. So this encouragement idea is so incredible, but there's an there's a other side to the coin. This text says that we are to, to, to motivate people to encourage, to, to do this as a, it uses this word spur, like the spur that a cowboy wears, that we are to spur one another on. Now, here's, the, here's an interesting thing. In Greek, this word to spur someone else on is, is the same as the word for irritate, <laughs> right? That we are to irritate one another. And I don't think we really like to irritate one another, but there are certain circumstances when we're holding somebody accountable that people need to be irritated. Now, I don't know a whole lot about spurs, so I had to ask an equestrian friend of mine, what, what, how, and what's the purpose of a spur? Because it just looks mean, because it's like pointy and sharp. And, and, and they said, well, especially in show horses, I'm going to try to do this for you. Don't laugh. And for a show horse, you're, you're supposed to like raise the stomach so it arches the back and activates the foot. I hope no one took a picture but that's, that's, that's how a person can control their horse and the way, that they, the way that they stick it and the way that they roll all has to do with the, the horse's understanding these signals. See, the horse needs to be spurred on to do its best. And we are the same way. Right? We're the same way. We need people in our lives who will spur us on, irritate us out of the safety of these seats into the world to live out our faith in ways that we're supposed to. So we need people to encourage us and lift us up, but we also need people to spur us on when we start to slack off. So parents, that's kind of the balance that you have. How do I encourage and when do I encourage and when do I need to, to spur my child on just a little bit more so they can fulfill what they're meant to do? So here's a call to action that I have for you this morning. There's some areas at St. Luke's where we have incredible beginnings of spiritual formation groups, and we call those our catalyst groups. And our catalyst groups are really, a, it's a small group ministry where people come together on a weekly basis and live life together. And it's that safe environment. And some of you are already a part of these catalyst groups. And if you're not a part of these catalyst groups, this is what I want to plant in your brain right now. Would you be willing to host one? See, you just need to facilitate the conversation. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to have all the answers. Uh, that's not the point. The point is just to host an environment where this group can gather. And if that's something, if you're a host at heart, then I want you to reach out to my good friend, Rhonda Betteridge, because she is, she is yearning to hear from you that you would like to host a small group. But at the same time, if you're not a part of the Catalyst group, program, uh, there's still opportunities for you to grow in a spiritual formation group that's catalytic in nature, that, that urges you to learn and grow and serve together, to live life together. Whatever groups you're a part of, whether you're a part of the group that meets over here after generations on the, at, the, at the playground, consider how you can make that time where you learn and grow and serve more. But to grow in your relationships, to deepen them, it's my prayer that you find out that this, this great transformation that can happen in your life when you're transparent with other people. 